Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 36. Luke chapter 5, and if you wouldn't mind standing one last time in honor of God's Word, Luke chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Luke chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. Okay, that sounds like about one-third, so I'll just wait a little longer. If you're ready, say amen. All right. Luke chapter 5, verse 36 says this. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. Verse 37, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine they say. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that uh, you want to do something new. And God, I pray this morning that if anyone is tired of how life has been, Lord, may we open our eyes to understand that you are the God of the impossible, but you're also the God who creates something out of nothing. You are the God who does new things. And this morning, Lord, we say thank you for that. Thank you for your word. I pray every heart be open. God, may you anoint my mind, my heart, my lips to speak your word to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I remember growing up when I had a pair of jeans, and the knees would always rip because we always played and we were aggressive and I was the goalie at recess and soccer, diving and and doing everything. And my mom always had to put uh, patches on my knees because they would always rip. And in this scripture that we were reading in Luke 5, there are two examples of new and old. Now, if you've ever bought in new clothing... And you wash it for the first time, and especially if you put it in the dryer. How many of you would agree that it shrinks, especially if it's cotton, right? And now you begin to wear it, you wash, you dry it. It kind of gets, you get used to it, it gets used to you, and it gets comfortable. But there is this shrinking that takes place. So you can't take now something that's newer or brand new and now patch it up. When you wash it, it's going to shrink and everything is not going to look the way you want it to look with your clothing. And so the scripture, Jesus is alluding to that, that example. And I'm not a wine connoisseur, and I'm sure some of you are way more experienced than I am with it. But, but the concept is easy to understand. You don't put new wine in old wineskins. It would burst as the fermenting begins. 
So it's, it's simple to understand, and there's chemistry behind it, I'm sure. But that's what we have to understand. And then verse 39, But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. So just remember that, because we're going to come back to it in a little bit. But this morning, I want to speak to you on a message entitled, Do Something New. Do something new. And I believe, as believers, the cry of our heart should be for God, what are you doing that's new? What are you doing? Because I want to be a part of it. Lord, do something new. In our society, things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. God, would you do something new? Something has to give. Something has to change. Would you do something new? And a lot of us love new things, right? New car, new shirt, new computer, a new phone. We enjoy the new things. And we get comfortable, we get used to them. Like my car is two, is a 2008 Yaris. I drove that thing, like when I sit down it just hugs me. Because it knows me as the owner, as the driver. And the thought of Priscilla's like, we'll probably need a new car in about two years. Just let's start thinking of the budget. And I was like, but I like my car. I don't want to change it. I, I don't even have to look at the buttons anymore because I know exactly where everything is. And And we get so used to the what we now call old 2008 that new seems uh it's very techy everything's electronic now uh i'll miss my older stereo everything is a computer in a vehicle today you follow so but we like new things still and today i want to break two concepts for you what's next versus what's new And I just want to define what those two things are. So what's next is usually evident and predictable. In other words, what's the next step? Like after high school, you go to college or university. It's a next step. And I remember when I worked at FedEx, I was hired just before the Christmas rush. And at the time, the big thing was like the iPods that were shipping. This is like 06, 07. And... They, there was like it was Christmas time. Apple just announced uh, all these new iPods, and let me tell you, the the boxes every single day. We had two cages just full of iPod deliveries. It was crazy, and so I started though as just a casual part-time employee. What that meant was I could show up to work. And once we finished the hustle, and again, I broke a sweat, similar to today, they're like, "Uh, okay, well, we're done. You can go home now. And I was like, well, I got here at 4 in the morning. It's only like 8 a.m. I'm done. So I would go home, and I was done for the day. But I got my four hours in. And this went on week after week. At Christmas rush, it got even slower. And it's interesting, but everyone's like, are you going to apply for the, the, the position? I was like, what position are you talking about? I'm not even here long enough to know what's going on in the company. They send me home. They're like, well, there's an opening for your position, but not casual. You would become permanent part-time. I was like, sure. Um, so I, I went to talk to my boss, and I was the only person who wanted that job still, but as a, as a permanent person. So no one wanted to wake up Monday mornings at 3 a.m. and go to the airport. I was like, I love this. I'll do it. And so I, mo- I took one step forward to what was next. And then after that, so I, I went from casual part-time 
to permanent part-time, and then everyone is saying, okay, so the next step for you, watch for the postings, is going to be for permanent full-time, and you're there full-time hours. Well, guess what? I knew that that wasn't my assignment for life, and I kept, they called me the man of the cloth at FedEx. And I prayed and I said, God, I thank you for the provision, the job, all of the money. I used that job to buy an engagement ring for, to propose to Priscilla and all of that good stuff. But I said, Lord, as a testimony to everyone around me, I don't want what's next in FedEx to move up that ladder. I want what's new for me, which was ministry, a new, a new opportunity. And God moved me out of Montreal and into Ontario at a position in a church. It was something new, and it was a testimony to those guys, because I said, I'm not sticking around. They're like, it's a good job. You work hard, but you're paid well. The benefits, the package, all of that. And I said, I understand what you're saying, but there's a calling on my life to, to do God's work. And I said, you're going to see. One day I'm going to say bye to you, and it's going to be because I'm going to a church, not because I'm going to the, another FedEx location in another city. And God heard my prayer, and He answered it. So the difference, that was that's what what is next it's what you see it's it's predictable and it's usually evident but it's not just in work it's also in life and in different areas it's like you have one child oh you're going for two now okay great you're going to go for three how you're saying well how can you skip that well what if it's twins then you you skip it it's not what's next it's something new Uh, but it's a lot like climbing a ladder and the next step is recognizable so what's new is usually unexpected and unpredictable. It's like being a general laborer and then you're made the president of the company. You're going from the bottom to the top and it makes no sense. No one saw it coming. It's just that that is something new for you. Or better yet, it's like if you're little David, the shepherd boy, and the man of God now has come to the house to anoint the next king. And so they start with the oldest brother, and they work through the rank of every brother in the house, and they reach the end, and they go, wait a minute, no, 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 this doesn't make sense. Is there anyone else, Samuel asks. And then the father says, well, yeah, there's my son David, but he's just a shepherd boy out in the field with the sheep. He says, bring him here. And in one instant, David goes from just being a forgotten, overlooked shepherd boy in the field, to being anointed as the new king of Israel. It doesn't make sense, but he went from the bottom to the top in a moment. Why? Because it was God's plan. Something new versus what's next. I'm just painting the picture so you understand. I believe God is wanting to take us as a church from just asking, Lord, what's next for me? What's next? To asking, God, what is new? What, what is new that you have for me? Because I want what's new. What's next is often still in my control because I know what's coming. I can plan and prepare for it. But Lord, when it's new, I have no opportunity to prepare. I just have to trust you. And I just have to be willing to say yes. What is new? And Psalm 96, I just want to show you through different scriptures how God is the God of new. 
He's also the God of what's next, if, he, if every step is ordained by God, but also the God of new. So we opened up today's service with Psalm 96, and it says this, Sing to the Lord a new song, right? Emphasis on new song. He gives us new life. We are all a byproduct of receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're new today, I pray that you would hear the word. And, and God has the ability to make all things new in here, in your heart. Come as you are, but you leave differently. New life. So he's the author of new life. Lamentations 3 tells us, His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. How many of you are thankful for that? Every day you get up is an opportunity for a brand new day. And new miracles. New miracles. In fact, Jesus, when He was leaving earth, said, Greater works shall you do as believers. Greater works. So, God, yes, we've seen you do it, like we sang, and we'll see you do it again, afresh and anew. Things that we've never seen happen with our eyes or heard with our ears, we can see happen because He is the God who brings the newness. He's the God of miracles. So new miracles, we pray. And then He's a creative God. He created the world, Scripture tells us. And He created you and me for the purpose of glorifying the Father. So we are created to worship. And the creative God also gives new and creative ideas. New and creative ideas. And if that's not enough, what about the new covenant? He's given us a new covenant. And I just want to dig a little this morning into that. The new covenant. The law came through Moses in the Old Testament. He went up the mountain, received the law, Ten Commandments, on the tablets of stone. And, and that was God. And it, the Bible actually says that God wrote the commandments, the law, on the tablets of stone with His own finger. The law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. Can somebody say amen for grace today? Grace came through Jesus. Hebrews 8 verse 6 says that the new covenant through Jesus is a better covenant with better promises. I just want to tell you, the old covenant was really designed to reveal how sinful you are as a person. You see, the old covenant and the sacrificial system... <laughs> Without getting into all of the detail, you have to understand that when you look at the law, you realize, I've fallen short. It was really good at, it, at letting you know, hey, you missed the mark. You lied. You missed the mark. You cheated. You missed the mark. And they would have to offer animal sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins so that God would forgive their sin. That was the old covenant. And... and the law was good at exposing my sin, but it couldn't get rid of the sin problem in me. That's why the new covenant is a better covenant with better promises because Jesus came and the Bible says once and for all, He died for our sins. We don't have to offer sacrifices every single day. Once and for all, He did it for you and for me. And so this is a far better covenant with better promises. And every promise that was made to Israel 
Now we are grafted in, Scripture says, and we could lay hold of the same promises for us as well through Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? And so it's a better covenant with better promises. And God gave the new covenant because the old wasn't good enough and it wasn't good any longer. And see, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and bondage and slavery. And Moses preached the law. Moses shared, them, shared the law. That's, that's the message he brought to them. And guess what? 3,000 people died when Moses shared the law because they were sinful. Jesus rises from the dead. He ascends to heaven. Believers gathered in unity, Acts chapter 1 and 2. And the first time Peter gets up to preach under the new covenant now, after the cross, 3,000 people don't die. They get saved. And new life comes. You see, it's a, a far greater covenant, the new covenant. So he is the God of the new. And Isaiah 43 Verses 18 to 19 says this, again, about the, the new things that God wants to do. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Verse 19, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Church, God has done new things in the past. And today, we need to still believe Him for new things for today. New Fresh ideas. and creative ideas of how to spread the gospel in these last days. It's important because we are the church. And there's a reason why we are still here. And God wants to use you and me and our church and your families to reach people that no one else can reach but you. And that is important. And we have to ask God, Lord, up until now... It's been hard or maybe the door's been closed. So God, would you do something new? God, would you do something new? Maybe it's me. Maybe I've just been going to work and, and my mindset is, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to go to my locker. I'm going to grab my own coffee. I'm going to read my own journal or newspaper and, or book. And, and I'm just going to do my thing. Uh, and, and I'm just, once I punch out, I'm done and I'm just going to leave. God, do something new in me now. Because that's not the way I'm supposed to live. I'm supposed to influence wherever I go. Why? Well, because I have the hope of all the world. And if I walk around like, like I'm closed off in a bubble and, and I'm upset and I don't like going to work and that's my perspective, guess what? I'm missing out. Why? The Word of God says that you are salt and light. And it's our responsibility to be the God flavor or the God seasoning or the God light in the world. And so God is really relying on us. So maybe the, the prayer today of do something new is, is in us. It's not really in our world. It's maybe in our heart. And say, God, do something new here. Change me and make me more like you. Do something new. I'm tired of, of, of just what I've been living up until now. And this phrase, do something new. I remember the first time I went to Australia in 2007, I went to Planet Shakers Conference. And, and Planet Shakers is a, is a big church now in Australia. But I was really inspired by their worship. And it took me to a new level with God in the, in the conference meetings where I said, God, I, 
whatever I feel in the room, this is something I've never felt before. And I remember going back to the house where I was staying, and I actually wrote a song with that title, Do Something New, Lord. Take me and break me. Make me more like you so that I can be used by you. That's the cry of our heart. Do something new, God. And and I believe, as we read Isaiah 43, that we are to remember what God has done. We sang it in our last song this morning. But that remembrance is to propel us into asking God to do it again. Do what? Do something new again. He did something new once. And I think of our church even. In, nine, in the early 80s or even the late 70s when we purchased the property across the street. And I have the pictures and I've gone through the history. And if you want to know more, Pat is like a walking encyclopedia. And he's going to fill you in on every detail, of even how and the time frame and the, everything. He knows it all. And so I've listened carefully because I want to know our history. Why? Because if God did it once, he's going to do it again. And guess what? We are living proof right now that as a church, we are willing to say, Lord, if you, if you want to do something new, Lord, use us as a church. We are sitting in Emory Collegiate today as living testimony to this message. Lord, do something new. And if no other person is willing, then let it start with us. Let it start with us. We are willing, God, even to be displaced and to be disrupted a little bit. Amen. Are you looking at the next thing or are you believing for God to do something new? You see, back to Luke chapter 5 about the wine, verse 39 says, But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. There's another saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In other words, um, we kind of like the setup. We kind of like how everything is just it just works we just have to press a button or we just show up and it's just it just works and a lot of times that's the what's next mentality it is just we're going through it it's just the next step it's very predictable it's very evident what's going to happen next but but here's the thing back to Luke 5:39 those who drink the old wine seem to just be satisfied with that And here's the problem from what's next versus asking God to do something new. Is oftentimes God wants to do something new, but we find the comfort in only knowing what's next. And I believe we shortchange God's plan for our lives when we say, Well, God, yeah, I get what you're trying to lead me towards, but I, I just prefer one next step. I don't, like, imagine if David said, Well, I kind of like being the shepherd boy. Um, King seems like a big jump. Maybe in five years, like, let me train someone to take over my place with the sheep. And let me figure this all out. And maybe I'm ready for what's new. Did David do that? No. David received it. The oil was poured on. And you know what the word says? That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came mightily upon David from that day on. And I want to tell you that it's in the moment of action where God will empower you to do what's new instead of what is next. In the moment of action. Well, what's the action? It's embracing it and saying, yes, Lord. Do something new. because, And I'll say, yes, God, do it. And I, I receive it today. And it's 
only until we do that, that the Holy Spirit will give us everything we need to be successful in what is new. Can somebody say amen? I say amen to that because I'm a living proof of that. There, there are seasons, with that being said, there are seasons that lead to what's next. I'm not saying every step is something new. There are seasons that lead to what is next. But there are also seasons that lead to what is new. And for, for this illustration, I want to talk about Kodak for a second. I, I don't know, but has anyone ever worked at Kodak? I just, I thought, let me ask before I talk about the company, just in case. But Kodak, for, for those of the, the millennials and younger, you might not understand, but who remembers like 35 millimeter film in a camera, right? So there was a time when you had like 24 or 36 pictures on a roll, and after that, that was it. Nowadays, it's like selfie, click, click, delete, click, 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 click. You can even do a burst of shots, and you just hold your finger, and it, pick, it does 12, and you pick the best one. Like, the options are endless nowadays. But there was a day with Kodak where all you had was 12, 24, 36 pictures, and that was it. You had to pull it out. You had to go to, I don't even remember where we, uh, was that? Blacks, the, yeah, Costco, I think, used to do it too. And they would develop the film for you into literal pictures that you hold. You can go to Walmart still today online and get them printed and, and receive them. So picture that, but not being able to do it from, from your phone or with Wi-Fi. Kodak. Kodak brought photography to the people just like Henry Ford brought cars to people. You have to understand Kodak as a company they brought photography to consumers, to you and to me. And that's who, what they did, just like Ford brought cars to people. In 1975, a man named Stephen Sasson invented the first digital camera. But guess this, he worked for Eastman Kodak. Did you know that? The person who developed this digital camera, the first one, actually worked for Kodak. You might not understand why that's a big deal, but let me explain. Management said, oh, that's cute, but don't tell anyone about it. You know why? Because they even made the cameras, but they made the most money selling film. And men who shave with a razor, the razor is a one-time purchase. It's the blades that Gillette makes money off of. And trust me, the newer tech technological ones that you know it's like $60 for a, uh, like 16 blades or something crazy like that so they were selling film so this idea of of a digital camera with no film they said that's a cute invention just don't tell anyone about it we want to keep making the billions of dollars selling rolls of film and they regarded digital photography as the enemy so that that's where the beginning of the problem starts And then in 2004, Kodak announced that it would stop selling traditional film cameras in Europe and in North America, and they cut 15,000 jobs because no one was buying film anymore. And it was obsolete. All the, the, the science and technology behind it was literally useless at that point. Kodak's big dilemma or problem was that they invested so much in chemical, in paper, in film industries, and it was difficult to suddenly shift into a risky and unknown digital era. That's the big thing that they were not willing to do. 
because it scared them and they liked the comfort of what was next as opposed to what was new. You see where we're going with this. So in 2012, Kodak filed bankruptcy and also declared it will quit the photography business. Now, I checked their website and it's still existing. They're still making products. Um, but in 2012, this, was, this is a true fact. Where they are today as a company is outside of the scope of interest for this morning's message. But we see a great example of a company who had big success for a long time and made millions and billions of dollars. But they failed to embrace what was new. And there's a term that is, and here's the term, disruptive innovation or disruptive technology. And what that simply means is it's a technology that significantly alters the way the businesses operate. So they're happy with film, but they're oblivious to something new that is serious and that is going to take the market by storm. And that's called destructive innovation or disruptive technology. And Kodak proved that the greatest resistors of the new thing are people who succeed in the old. The greatest resistor of what's new are the people who succeeded at the old thing. And we've been doing church for thousands of years. And the fact that we're in a school as a church going from a permanent place to a mobile setup for a number of weeks is us embracing what's new for us. We want to do the building. This is what's new for our church. It's, it's disrupting the flow of, of what we're comfortable with and what we're, we're normally used to. And I just want to say a few more things about technology where we're going to bring this to a spiritual application for each one of us this morning. Just think about these 10 things didn't exist in 2006. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Airbnb, for those of you who like vacationing and living in other people's homes. Pinterest, Uber. Now they have Uber Eats and McDonald's down the street offers that so I can have it delivered straight to to me wherever I am. Dropbox for for digital files. Netflix for binge-watching movies and and TV shows. No one does that here, right? And then the iPhone itself, it's it's 10-year anniversary today. The iPad and Spotify. Those are just a short list of, of 10 to 12 things that didn't even exist in 2006. As a church, some of you I get, social media, you're like, I don't understand that. So I've been coaching Nunzio at the church about Wi-Fi and internet and uh, networks and all of this stuff. And he's like, I have bars, but no signal, no internet. So I've been uh, having to walk through some of those things. But as a church, if we just say, no, 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 it's just this preaching Sundays at 10.30 a.m. service, is, it's the way, is not true any longer. That's why we, we are pouring time into Instagram and Facebook. Why? Well, because we can reach the whole community with a picture or a video post. Otherwise, they wouldn't be sitting here on a Sunday morning. But we could reach them in their living room while they're still in their pajamas sipping their coffee. If you think about the evangelistic opportunity, it is huge. And if we as the church were to to say, you know what? No, we're happy just preaching the gospel in a building for, for an hour we're missing a large portion, the largest portion of our week. 
We are, there are 168 hours in a week. We spend less than one hour hearing the word preached. So let's just say there are 167 hours left. How are you going to leverage that as a Christian, as a believer? 167 hours that we spend outside of this place. And I just want to encourage you, if you do use social media, you can post pictures of your kids, do whatever you'd like for you, you personally. But I encourage you, use that platform. You have people following you. Use it as a platform to propagate the good news of Jesus Christ. Let them know what God did in your life. Post a picture of whatever it is and, and find a way to talk about Jesus in your everyday life. I encourage you to do that. I'm challenged myself to do that. Why? Well, because even more people are looking at me, even on social media. And, and, and I know they are. So I have to do my part. I don't live a fake life. I live real life, but I show them Jesus in me through my real life. So that's how we do it. Social media. And so... It is, it's, an incre- it's incredible to see the new digital era that we are living in and also the rapid rate of adoption. More and more people are jumping onto these platforms. So it's important as a church, we don't just say, well, that's for the young kids or my, my kids do it and I don't un-. No, we should be informed. And, and I'm not saying you need to be on every platform. I'm just saying do what you like to do, but find a way to put Jesus in it. If it's on social media, do it. Let people know. If it's an, uh, because you are in a curling team and you go curling once a week, then let Jesus shine in that space that you have influence in. Or if it's a, a crochet or a knitting club or whatever it is that you might like to do, do it. Do it. If it's a book club, whatever it is. So as true as all of this is in the digital and the tech sphere, it is equally true in the kingdom. New methods and new ministries but the, but the timeless and powerful gospel of Jesus Christ never changes. You see, the method has to change, but the message must never change. Because no one could add or take away from this book. It says that in Revelation. We preach the word of God as it is, and we, we base our living and our lifestyle on the word of God. But the method of how we communicate it, it changes all the time. And technology in this day and age, like what was cool yesterday, is already out of date. And there's like a new platform that is, that is up and coming already. So all I'm saying is whatever you do, preach the word. Find a way to be God's mouthpiece and say, Lord, do something new. I'm willing to be used by you because it takes you and me. And I want to declare this today over each and every one of us that are here. In Exodus 34.10, I'm going to echo the words of God here. And here's what it says. As I declare this over our church and over every person here today, God said, I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord. The awesome power I will display for you. And I declare that over every person that is here. That we will see God do things that we've never seen Him do. And He will use your hands and your feet and your mouth to bring those things about in the earth. My question to you today is, are you willing to embrace what is new? Or are you just content with what you could see being next? Because what is next is often predictable and identifiable. But what is new 
is unpredictable and oftentimes unexpected. That's the big difference. When speaking about the new things God wants to do, the hard part, it is just that. that Our tendency is we will naturally lean to what's next. But if we really believe God is the God of the new, are we willing to get a little uncomfortable? Think of Kodak and how they missed it because there was a disruptive innovation that ruined business as they knew it. Am I willing to say, you know what, John? You're comfortable with what's next, but see what, what God wants to do is something new. Are you willing to embrace it? I have to say, yes, God. I embrace it. I embrace it today. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? And here's the truth of the matter. My prayer is that as we are meeting in this new place today, that we would see God do something new in our midst. Amen? Is it, is it just me? Or do we all want this? We want to see God do something new in our midst. Like, we don't have to set this up. I mean, we could just put a microphone and say, a cappella acoustic. But I don't think that's what God wants us to do. I believe that as we are meeting in the school, God wants us to continue to put our best foot forward. Why? God always gave us His very best. In fact, the Word says He gave us His one and only Son. Now our part is, Lord, I give you my best. And as we meet in the school, we're going to put our best foot forward. Who's to say that we won't see a hundred new people get saved? Because they're going to see flags that they've never seen before. Something new on Weston Road. And they're going to pull up and they're going to see young people holding these welcome signs that, that they've never seen before. There's a school, there's a day camp that's meeting here throughout the month of July and August. Who knows? We are here. We've been worshiping. We've been lifting up the name of Jesus, calling His presence down. Who's to say that when they walk in here tomorrow, they're going to say, something feels new and different in this place. Something has shifted. We've been praying, Lord, let there be a shift in the atmosphere in Emory Collegiate Institute. That even in September when students come back, that they would sense something is new. Something's different. They might not know what it is, but we know what it is. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And He's going to be working. So we're dedicating this place, a new space for us in this school, as holy ground. And we say, Lord, we claim this school for your kingdom in Jesus' name. I've been praying and talking with Spencer about how we can reach the high schoolers here. And when I came to check out the room, and I'm going to say this last thing and we'll pray. Uh, I tried calling to make the appointment. No one answered. No one called back. So I said, Ben, let's just go and check out the school. We'll see if there's an open door. So we walked up, the door was open, so we walked in. As we walked in, I heard a lady's voice down the hallway, so we just followed it. And I said, sorry, ladies, I'm just looking, do you work here? She says, work here? I'm the principal of the high school. I said, well, you're just the lady I'd want to speak with. So she showed us all the rooms we would meet in. And then I said, just one more thing, Um, you know, Spencer and I, Spencer works with me at the church. We've been thinking about your school a lot and how we can serve the students here. We've, like, just wondering if there's anything that we can do. And she's like, I would love to partner with you guys. And I would love to to have a conversation when things pick up again and we're back in the school. And I thought, 
was it that easy to do something new in the school that we've never done before? I just literally had to walk through the door and the lady was right in front of me and I just told her what we've been talking about. She's like, sure, let's plan it. Look, it's not hard. We just have to be willing. And so my prayer as we close is, let's be willing to say, Lord, thank you for what's next. But God, thank you for what is new. And my prayer is do something new, Lord. Let it start with me. Change me. Mold me into everything that you need me to be. Make me brand new. And then, Lord, from from me, let it go outward. Change everything. Let it be new in Jesus' name. Amen. We're believing that God is going to do some great things while we're here at the school. And um, thank you for those who came again to help set up. If you didn't come and you, you have extra time, especially between 8 to 8.45 a.m., we need lots of hands. Uh, we welcome your help. And we just, uh, we're going to honor God and we're going to serve people. That's what we're called to do. And we want to do it with all that we have. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you this morning that we have a school that we can meet in. Lord, they could have easily denied the permit when I wrote that we are using this for religious purposes, but they didn't. So God, we thank you for the open door here at Emory Collegiate Institute. Lord, I even thank you for the caretaker, John, who, who so graciously welcomed us and, uh, and helped us set up. Lord, I pray that you would bless him. And Father, I thank you for his heart who said he's here to serve us. And so, God, we thank you for John. Wherever he might be in the building, we bless him today. And, Lord, I thank you for everyone from Weston who showed up today. Lord, to serve and also to, to, to serve you with our worship. And, Lord, to sit under the teaching of your word. I pray now that, Lord, we would lean off the wall of what's next. And, Lord, just say, Lord, I'm open to what is new and what you have. Lord, if it has to start anywhere, let it start within us. Lord, make us brand new inside. For those of us, God, who maybe are are discontent with how things have been in a spiritual relationship with you, Lord, would you just help us to renew our commitment to you. Make us brand new from the inside out. That, Lord, once we get that in order, order. We can make a bigger difference in the world and in in the environment that you place us in. So Father, I pray now as we leave this place, Father, we wouldn't be asking, God, what is next? What's next in my life? What's next in my career? But we would say, God, whatever it is, do something new. We embrace it and we thank you for it. Lord, even as our church meets here, If you want to give us new methods to preach your message, Lord, we say, do it, God. We embrace it and have your way, God. May it never be about our preferences, but may it always be about what you are wanting us to do. So, God, we give you this time, even this season in the school. May it be a blessed time. We declare, God, that we will see people saved in Jesus' name. We will see you do, Lord, even more miracles and healings taking place while we are here, because we are hungry and we expect it, Lord. So we thank you, God. We bless everyone who's here now as they go their separate way. Lord, I pray for divine appointments this week, opportunities to share our faith, to introduce Jesus into the conversation. 
And God, we will honor you and give you glory, even on our social media platforms. May we not become like society, but may we stand out as sons and daughters of Christ. And Lord, may our actions, the way we speak, what we post, Lord, spread the light of Christ, even if it's in a small way. And so God, we thank you. We give you honor and glory in this place. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.